welcome welcome to fallout podcast episode 67 or is it 77 the frost covers up what are the summer men made it is a futile fall showed and all 525 songs going head to head in an ultimate hootsmon shakedown split into four eras 77 to 85 86 93 94 to 01 and 02 to 17 thank you to annotated fall few and the track record and oh, brother, Puritans, Falling Fives, and all them what fall. Joined, as always, by Monsieur Pip Chippington Beard, Cy Cog Dream. How are you, Pip? I am clean as chocolate treats, me, Matt. Right, you? Brilliant. I'm not too bad. It's early morning over here. Uh, Lord Sage Temple, <laughs> rasping the deception. I've got all the hoots and a threatening baby on my lap. That is the sort of deception you should grasp with care. T. Pemberton S. Bone Walker. He'd had a horn with three mines. Ah, yeah, but I've been wearing my Joy Division oven gloves. Splendid. Uh, Chris Barrow of Wigan. What happened to the Man of Iron? <laughs> he rusted. Well, he's here now. He, uh, he was an hour ago. It was all lights out. Just no Alistair at all. Was it just a vision party. He wasn't invited. But, uh, we got it together. Nil Sorry. <laughs> Nil poire. And I am Treebeards O'Reilly, always on it and always moaning about something. His computer's always broke down or something. Patreon chip-ins from Leon Jumble Sale and Michael E. And we have uh, Tammy Tiny Tintois with us, joining us this evening. He certainly is. Oh, beautiful. Yes, and we are joined by a guest, Seth, from the other side of the world. Seth, how are you today? I'm doing decent. Very slow day. Happy to be here. Very good, very good. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Seth, and your journey with this band of the mighty group of The Fall. Well, I've uh, just been a big music geek my entire life, uh, mostly into T-Rex and the Stooges. And after hearing a ton about The Fall uh, and already being in contact with Phil, I was just like, where do you recommend I start? Uh, he told me to check out Dragnet and Hex Induction Hour and that kicked it all off for me. And now I've just been slowly chipping away through the discography. Nice, nice. Do you have uh, any uh, high spots since those first two? Have you hit any any particular favorites along the way? Uh, I've been getting more into uh, songs from This Nation, Saving Grace, and uh, I think it's Extra K is the name of it, that has a Bill is Dead and Telephone thing on it. Mm. Yeah, great stuff. Great albums indeed. Well, tonight... Uh, we're all in for a treat with some of these songs, not least of all the very first one. So we've got Hip Priest up against Papal Visit, Arid Al's Dream versus Hot Aftershade Bomb, and Nate Will Not Return versus Emirator! Exclamation mark. Pip, if you don't mind, kicking us off with, with Hip <laughs> Priest. Seamless. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He is no 
calling it, calling it. Hip, as is customary, uh, what do you think of Hip Priest Hex Induction Hour 1982, March? Well, do you know what I was going to call it? It's, uh, it, this is a truly remarkable piece of music on, on so many different levels. It's, I mean, even from like the enigmatic title itself of what is a hip priest? What is, you know, sort of what is this kind of Brosian character that he's describing? Just how epic and operatic they get in the whole dynamic of the of the song with just like a shoestring set of uh, instruments to play on, really. It's evocative and it's haunting and it's it's jazzy without being jazz. It's totally cinematic, so it's no surprise that it was featured in a film, but I think very surprising what film it was featured in. Um, I, I think it's really quite difficult to work out how they do what it is that they're doing on this record it feels orchestrated but i'm not quite sure how they do it it's like orchestrated without a conductor um and i'm reminded of all kinds of different stuff as i'm listening to it even things like sort of jeff buckley come to mind with like um sky's alarm film that kind of sort of big narrative kind of uh, thing um i think it's a genuinely astonishing piece of music this and uh, if you haven't already have called it yes i would have called it myself with this and i think there's not a person here probably wouldn't be uh happy with that well it's going out first round so you know enjoy Straight it while it's here <laughs> um yeah was it in a film as was it mary poppins i don't know i don't remember that but anyway moving on it's definitely Disney. um ezra what do you make of this uh soundtrack yeah i mean exactly what philip said it's you know going back to when i was first listening to this album as a teenager this was really and you know, amongst all the standout tracks, this was really probably the most, uh, what's the word? The most, well, it's not original that I was searching for, but it'll do for now. Like, there was nothing I could relate this to. Just this kind of use of space in what is ostensibly a rock and roll track. Yeah, you know, I, I love the way that they're playing as if they're playing like musicians who have decided to make a jazz record but have never heard jazz in their life. So they're just <laughs> playing their imagination of jazz, which is fucking brilliant. And of course, you know, like it, the song about being unappreciated takes a while for you to truly appreciate just how Marky e. Smith is absolutely having his cake and eating it on this one, because not only is he condemning himself as some kind of thought leader or edgelord or whatever cult cult figure he's also condemning the audience whilst simultaneously celebrating himself and the audience and it becomes an incredible meta fractal kind of head fuck of beautiful proportions and yeah you know the the, the hypnotic induction profile Works a treat. What a, what a fantastic piece of music. I guess that'll do it for me. That will do. That will do. Some cake had and eaten at the same time. Seth, uh, what does Hip Priest do for you? Well, it's uh, like Phil and Ezra both said, the spaciness of it was what really, uh, this was one of my favorites the first time I listened through um, Hex Induction Hour. And, and re-listening to it, I, I got reminded of... Uh, 
just the beginning makes me think like with the drums reminds me of like a parody of the doors almost which yeah it's all i can think about every time i hear it and just the intensity that uh kicks in around the 340 mark uh that also just it was another thing that just sold me on it uh very good for a first listen i think <laughs> yeah absolutely that doris thing we've come back to many times um but yeah that big expansive like uh, something like the end or, or something like that for sure um sweet um alistair let's see what you have to say about this have you heard this one before Alan? no this is completely new to me uh, but i love xm dutch you know but i've never heard this song um i but yeah i i, I was surprised that phil didn't mention the doors thing uh, and just kind of like scribbled that down in my notes that phil would mention the doors on this one uh but i really love the rhythm on it uh the percussion the two drums sort of like burns hanley combo really nailing it we're just like some dead simplistic stuff and uh yeah, it was. Uh, you, you mentioned you, you alluded, alluded to a film, uh, <laughs> uh, and it was a uh, carry on. Don't lose your skin. I think it uh, was. Oh, uh, yeah, that's yeah, the uh, one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, the, the one about Jeffrey Dahmer. No, not Jeffrey, not Dahmer. Uh, but um, yeah, it's a it's, it's it's a fucking great song. Really atmospheric, uh, really slow, kind of like moving, brooding kind of like vibe to it and it's how they create that vibe and keep it going that's that's good it's it's not like a, a pop song by any standards um but yeah it, it was good enough to be used in sound cell lambs so was it that that's what it was i see what, very nice <laughs> noisy sheep too um yeah. <laughs> cb what are you into no i totally agree with all you guys um great use of kind of space even kind of using almost silence as an instrument sometimes, you know, that kind of, kind of space. I've got, slightly controversially, it's the kind of song I've got to be in the mood for, you know, it's kind of not always got the patience for it. I think Mark, Mark obviously makes it, you know, without Mark's kind of um, uh, persona, you know, it kind of really needs that. Uh, it's all very subtle, it works really well. Uh, the guitar part, when it all kind of climaxes, will be my favourite part. It's not my favourite fall track, but um, obviously it's um, it's a classic. There's no yeah, systematic abuse, is it? Uh, it, right, it no. really reminds me of, of there's a live kind of like vibe to it. Um, so it sounds like a live performance rather than like a studio thing, in the same way that they did. Was it Hex uh, Not? I'm not sure. They, 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 Iceland. They, they, no, they, they, there was a, a track on. Um, Perverted by language, which was like life in the hacienda, and it's like it's it's that kind of vibe where you've got like it's just it's it's the it's probably done in one take. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but that's that's like later kind of like bricks era. Uh, but it's got it's got that kind of vibe to it. But yeah, like you mentioned Iceland, you know, it's got that kind of like spooky vibe to it, which um, they used to nail really well. I'll shut up now. Thank you. Finally, you're welcome, Philip. You made you made me think then, Al. Actually, this reminds me now of something that would sound really good off Dragnet, but it's got a totally different production value about it. Do you know what I mean? The actual song itself, it feels to me, is something that would fit very nicely with something like Spectre versus Rector. But it's just the, the production on it is complete. It's, if they'd not recorded it in like a swampy church. Well, I said it's, it's, it's a bit of a live feel to it, and it, it's got to be said, it's one of the, the few fall riffs that have 
really like grooved out to like playing the drums. Um, you know, it's a two drummer thing, like, but I fucking love that groove. Yeah, it's um I hope I imagine we'll get more chance to talk about it. But um, I think the jazz thing is the difference. I mean, it's not jazz, but uh, on, on the Annotated Fall, they do liken it to the Gil Evans track, Hotel Me. We were talking about this a bit this week, Ezra, and it does have some of that that kind of vibe, especially in the drums, the kind of shuffling kind of drums. And I, I'm, I don't know which one of the drummers is taking the lead on this, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful. The, the, the tapped out hats and then the chiming chant that sets, uh, sets that mood. Um, guitar stops menacingly and melodically. Everyone uh, on top of their game, that slow, slow build, it's jazz. No, it's not. Two minutes in, Smith starts the diatribe and, and it builds slow and sweet. And um, yeah, then the, when the noise break kind of comes in, uh, Sonic Youth, I think we're watching and uh, Craig goes scratchy mad with his, um, but it's a clean guitar. We've said this before. It's like this, the, the fall make that clean guitar sound menacing uh, in a way that most people need distortion pedals for. And then Slayton Small falls onto a keyboard and there's, there's a xylophone going down and um, even some rung out chords towards the end, which are uh, very nice to take us home. And you know how I feel about those. You love them. Ezra, I do. Ezra. Yeah, I was very interested uh, at the similarities between that Gil Evans track and, and this, especially having read Have a Bleeding Guess, uh, where they claim to have kind of, well, where Hanley claims to that they kind of came about this through improvisation. Mm. Um, I do want to believe him, but <laughs> it's very, very similar to that Gil Evans track. <laughs> if I was, was yeah, going to guess, I would say one of the drummers was listening to maybe something like the Gil Evans and picked up on that that beat, and then um, the rest of them mm. kind of coalesced around it. And there's probably some coincidence in there, but um, yeah, it's it's beautiful, and I'll uh, I'll give them the benefit on this. Um, that that line about finding my cleanest dirty shirt is uh, it seems to have been cribbed from Sunday morning coming down, which is a a, a staple and a standard it's a great line um white collar hits motorway services it's the hit priest was shown in a freak show early on and drunk from small brown bottles since i was so long because i'm a hit priest people only need me when they're down and gone to seed and all the young groups know they can imitate but i teach because i'm a hip priest um, so what does, phil what does tim think about hit priest one time feast was Treo Greece, hit priest. Some lovely poetry in this film, but overall something I have mixed feelings about. For me, the recording is something special, but the song, not so much. When I listen to live version or the Peel version, it's more often than not, it doesn't seem to hit the, any sort of mark. It meanders and in places marks whiny, he is not appreciated, then gets on my tits. But in the album version, the crushing bludgeoning in it's a hip 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 bits of pure magic i always get a tingle of anticipation for the moment the sound distorts the xylophone plonks are equally special atmospherically it's equaled only by iceland yes and those big sprawling quote-unquote improvised jams um just um <laughs> stuff as with always the best fall songs, there's stuff in there that they didn't do again. Those harmonics, I think, or fake harmonics that Craig's using, uh, never does it again in any other song as far as I know. But it's Band. beautiful. 
Um, let's move on to something that came out like six months after the next album, Room to Live, an album that has got literally every single song through so far. Uh, it's, it's up against it tonight, though, isn't it? Papal Visit. Smith pulling the strings again. Quite a left turn there, but also many similarities. Another song about a uh, leader of the church, uh, long form, noises. But what does Ezra make of Papal Visit? Unsurprisingly, I absolutely love it. Um, you know, on, on the album Room to Live, most of the other tracks sound more or less like what you might expect from the fall Whereas this just completely comes out of left field. Um, almost sounds like Taj Mahal Travelers or some kind of crazy free improv stuff, which I really love all that kind of stuff. So yeah, anything with scrapey, scrapey strings and mumbling drunkards, sign me up. Um, and yeah, you know, the thing that keeps coming to my mind is like it's some form of like deranged mummery in some backwater where they're uh, just ripping the piss out of the uh, the Catholic church and their yellow white umbrellas. Um, I was so intrigued by so much of the stuff going on in, in this song and in the lyrics, like the way that like Smith seems to like kind of say the lyric and then it's either him just repeating it or an overdub, or I think more likely maybe the other band members are kind of repeating. And so there's this weird kind of call and response thing going on. Human trash roam the town, woke up by Hosanna, helicopters strip the land, which is probably my favorite line, helicopters strip the land. And... Yeah, uh, later on, he's referring to lay bread. And I was like, what the fuck is lay bread? And I was looking for it. And apparently there is a phrase to lay the bread, which means to get at someone. I've never heard this. I don't know if any of you folks are familiar with laying the bread. Sounds a bit kinky uh, to my ear, but yeah, who, who knows? But apparently it's a thing. Whether it was a thing when this was released is another question. But great, deep atmosphere. Very, very nice. Very nice indeed. It's um, it's the anti-hip priest, isn't it, Alistair? No, no, it's not the anti-hip priest. It's, uh, it's a different song. And, uh, no, um, as Ezra alluded to, you know, he's, having sex with bread in Manchester is, is very popular. Um, but, you know, I do like the kind of Buddhist vibe that you have going on with this tune and um, it's brilliant. You've got a bunch of LPs that sound like this uh, on sublime frequencies. Um, and yeah, I, I love the percussion 
a oh, it's the the trashy kind of like reverb. No, not reverb. It's, it's well, yeah, there's loads of reverb on there, but um, it's it's a way it does. It sounds like some kind of like Tibetan music, uh, like with the violin, with the instruments, like uh, the percussion. Uh, there's a bit of piano on there. It sounds like they're like lifting up the lid and playing around with it a little bit. Um, but it's it's so wrong. It's right. It's uh, it stands out lots on on the the, the LP. But it, it, like I know Tim made reference to it earlier on in the podcast where he said he fucking hated it. And it's, yeah, I don't get that. This is like like a kind of a Sergeant Pepper's type thing. Um, the, the 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 kind of doing, um, and yeah, it's 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 a beautiful piece of music, in my opinion. Indeed. What does Tim think of it? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you. He um, he's pot, not a fan. Don't get it. Along with where's the fucking taxi to <laughs> tape. So this is a, a chap who was banging on about Ligeti and playing avant-garde pieces of music constantly, and then he gets the fall doing... Yeah, like, Ligeti, he is, they, they did, he is the they best did, of the 20th century. They, yeah. the fall, yeah, they, they, just, they, they just didn't do it right. Mm, they, didn't, they didn't avant-garde it right enough. <laughs> Sorted out, Tim. <laughs> uh, Seth, uh, this, Seth, this is a very different fall. What do you make of this uh, type of thing? It took me a minute to actually form an opinion on it what i have in my notes is this sounds like if the velvet underground did a bunch of xanax before playing the black angel's death song uh i don't know i think it sucks <laughs> it's i spent the entire time waiting for something to happen and nothing did <laughs> beautiful well that's that's the fall for you <laughs> get used to it if you're gonna stick around um but yes absolutely chris barrow what of this and sex with bread well what what was the um the Philip guy called who made the cassettes? Philip oh, Johnson. Johnson. That was that was fascinating, that stuff. I thought that was really good. But um if they were the kind of trying to emulate that, it wasn't quite as quite as interesting as that. I think it's the it's the screechy violin that, that I have a hard time with. It's a bit kind of um grating for me. Um, there's there's, there's the, the sections that kind of get a bit more kind of fluty and chiming with uh, with the beats nice, you know that, that's all that's all nice stuff. Yeah, that, that kind of grating violin. I, I personally, I kind of kind of struggle with a bit really. So um, yeah, not not a firm favourite for me. Thanks. So yeah, there was some mention that yeah, Philip Johnson, I guess, was Manchester-based, possibly kind of like found sound noise avant-garde kind of stuff who apparently when smith put out that cog sinister uh compilation he did include a track by him on it let's have a bit of a listen because that is really nice stuff you can yeah. see how how it might form the basis of this song so let me see So, um, like cutting up kind of news 
reports and things like that and then that noisy kind of a quiet noise kind of violin kind of stuff going on in the background um it's a crimp for me alistair it's a crimp and we it's, know it's, all about that it's like and uh, that version that, that you just played is brilliant but i don't think it's sort of like it, it's just it's similar uh I don't, I don't honestly think that there's like a connection there no, I like the quiet electroacoustic kind of like improvisation. And um, I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff. Mm. But I think what Smith brings to it by mumbling, similar to what we said about Hit Priest, it, like it could have been a kind of nice post-rocky, jazzy kind of like thing going on. But once Smith gets his hands on it, um, starts banging on about John Paul II. And I actually remember... So I was raised a Roman Catholic and I remember the Pope coming to England, coming to Manchester in 82, and it was a huge deal. I would have been about um, what, eight at the time. It was massive. And um, first impressions, papal did visit human trash. We know that he doesn't like JP too. Again, reading through, um, I'm almost at the end of In God's Name, which is what he based Hey Luciani on. And that's a fun read. Um, and JP2 does not come out of that good. But he, but from far the worst, but uh, he doesn't. Uh, uh, it was, he was a good goalkeeper, though, wasn't he, Brendan? He, can't, he was. He can't, you know, he, he was better than like JP the first. Uh, better than Albert Camus when they played against each other in the... Uh, in the World Cup, yeah, 1958, yeah. Men of Science versus Men of Faith. The Polish boy, he really frightens me. No, he disgusts me. I mean, he's reeking of socialist dictatorship, man. He's propagating populist myths, the people's pope, but he's really quite insidious. This guy stinks. The best part was when this fat loyalist from Belfast ran at him with a big butcher's knife. I, I don't know where he was going with this, um, but if I'm making a, a an Out There Fall album, this is probably the highlight of it. This is way out there and um i can't get enough of it and i wish it wasn't up against the hip priest because i'd like to see it uh, go further in this competition i've called it that's all i'm going to say on it for now has everyone had a hey, what do you think of this <laughs> well i'm i'm going to surprise everybody i think including myself most of all by saying that i i really got into this this week um i could only i, I found it uh, a bit rich to listen to more than two or three times in a row, but and it is down to that how that horrendous sound of squawking violin is all the way through it. But um, as I was listening to it and trying to deconstruct what it was that they were doing, it struck me that that's the that's like the only sound that sort of carries the whole thing all the way through. It's again, it's another one of those kind of. Um, subversions of how music is supposed to work, where they, they take the worst sort of harmonic bit of the song and turn that into what is really sort of the backbone of it. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Again, it sounded very soundtracky to me. It sounded like something out of a Jodorowsky film or something like that, which was the first mood that it sort of put me in, really. And it's it's got some weird influences in it, really. The drum that comes in, that little drum beat, I thought was very Elizabethan. It feels like it's almost like an Elizabethan turnaround that they do on it. Um, and then I I, I also, um, yeah, I heard the prepared piano thing. It reminded me of Roy Budd, actually, all that. Um, but it was the, the, the thing that, um, the other thing that jumped out to me, it was a really sort of 
Chinese sense of symbols as well through it. It was we, it's not a very Western way of using symbols that Peking opera. Yeah, but it's it's like it's much more. It feels aggressive to my ear the way that they play uh, arrange symbols in the music. But I've I've also been to lots of Chinese New Years and seen how it's just kind of it's that's just the texture of how they do certain bits of music. So it's so. Um, I got quite a lot out of this and I quite liked the mood. I'm resisting saying David Lynch at any point in this because I, I don't really get David Lynch, whereas this I thought was actually really rewarding after a few listens. Yeah, I think yeah. it behooves us to to mention that it was none other than Marquis e. Smith on that screechy, divisive violin. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was known, he had fought, well, maybe this was his debut on the violin, but he has returned to it at certain points throughout the fall's career. I preferred the stuff he did with Nigel Kennedy. <laughs> it's like the, the, the dreaded piano clubbers thing, like, you know, it's just the uh, violin abuse. I really like the way these two have heard because of the lyrical kind of thing that's going on. I think the music to this fits the lyrical theme more than than hip priest although i guess the hip priest is a hip if you're talking about 50s jazz influences um the violins plead let it all be as roman catholic church incense is spilled and then they realize the end is nine it crimps a little bit harder um like it a lot shall we um take a vote our man michael either over on um on uh, patreon has gone for hip priest and um any dissenters in the house, Ezra? I'm going to put the cat amongst the pigeons and go with papal visits. Alistair? Yeah, I'm, I'm going for the visit from the, the Pope every time. Um, yeah, And I'm surprised that they, they, they let you into a Church of England school being a Catholic. What's going well, on there? They're breaking the rules. <laughs> you know what? I, um, I did, at that point, I would say maybe I, I wasn't, quite as well into the Catholicism by that point. Um, but you have to say prayers, right? So you t- I was a teacher in school in England, and you have to say prayers a couple of times a day, right? And I kind of got in trouble for, for not doing it. And I was like, well, well can, we, can we do other stuff? Can we say other stuff? No, it's got to be a proper prayer. So um, it's, it's the one that starts at hell certain. Um, yeah. That kind of stuff's frowned upon, you know. Like, it's not like we can get into the way that the church still has its hands into the system, English education system. Is Let's take a vote. <laughs> Let's take a vote. Um, <laughs> Seth, you've already uh, kind of set out your stall, but which way are you going? Uh, hit priest all the way here. Hidoki. Uh, Philip? Yes, hit priest. Is, uh, as much as it pairs me, but it is hit priest. And you would have swayed it. You would have swayed it. Chris Barra? Hit priest for me. Aye, yeah, it's all done and dusted. Tim's clearly hit priest. Um, in reality, I got to go for hit priest, but in my heart, it's papal visit all the way. And uh, maybe we, yes, maybe I will make that mixtape of of outre fall. Um, but moving on, we are up against quite an obscure number, Arid Al's Dream, which was released on one of those uh, volume four uh, kind of little books that. Um, that you would get oh, with a CD attached. With with the fish? With the fish on the front, yeah, yeah. Ah. Well, you know, you were saying about doing a, a, a compilation then of, of weird fall stuff. I was thinking, yeah. after listening to this track, 
a psychedelic collection of fall stuff would be great. Nice, nice, nice. From the interstellar combination that colors the brown and cream, and he gets precognition. Scream psycho from doorways and upper shut off windows. And a brain will wait for answers. So, yeah, that, um, Chris Barry, I imagine that uh, you came across those volume things uh, back in the day. I certainly did, and yeah. I had a couple of them. Quite weird. What, what would you take on that and, and this song? Yeah, yeah. It's a very um, kind of shiny, kind of clean-sounding uh, uh, song, this, isn't it? Uh, very subtle violin, kind of used to great effect. But for me, it's just a great example of, um, you know, the numerous times the fall just do something completely unique. I just can't think of anything else. It just, just kind of sounds like this. I just think, especially for kind of a, a kind of um, kind of demoted to, to something like that kind of track. It's just 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 um, just pretty fascinating, really. And then you've then you've got that kind of um, that more kind of intense drum kind of violin part. It kind of sounds like uh, ROD on uh, Ben Sinister to me. Ah, picked up on that board. Mm. Yeah, yeah no. it was like it was. It sounded like really recycled. Yeah, a little bit recycled, but a very kind of strange juxtaposition that kind of worked, you know. It's just the fall being just uniquely um, something something kind of in their own universe and just, just uh, fascinated me, I think, um, worked uh, really well. Lo- loved it, actually. Yeah, it's nice. Did you, um, did you ever have any of those volume CDs that I, came I, out? I, I, I think I did. Um um, I knew that song not as a shift work bonus track, but from a compilation called Sinister Waltz. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. It's like a kind of compilation of bits and pieces. Um, yeah, I did always like that song actually. But um, like I say, from something that's a lesser kind of track, as as, as I guess was deemed, it's, it's it's a strong one to me. It's good. No, it is. It's um. It's really cool. I'm just looking through the track list of that um, that compilation that it was originally on, which was called Volume Four. Was the name of of the volume was the name of the series, and it had a it had a suede uh, song on there. Um, it had a Throw Muses remix, uh, a, a demo from Pavement, a, a Babes in Thailand song, and um, something by Spectrum, Sonic Boom. This is all Al Alistair's lapping this stuff. Around. Al, did you have any of this? These volume <laughs> compilations. No, no, but it's a shame they put swear on that. It sounds like they, they, they spoiled it by doing that. <laughs> uh, you know, see, Spectrum, I saw them live. Um, Bebs in Thailand, yeah, I saw them. Um, uh, Pavement, saw them. You know, a bunch of shit that, that, that like, was good at the time. And it was when we was talking about uh, the, the Melody Maker to the week I mentioned, like, you know, there, there was like, at that time, there, there was damn good scene going on really like you know despite like all the um you know indie major stuff which was like the majors like trying to do like faux indies by who was distributing them 
um, got them in the indie charts where they were actually a major label thing, but it was just a distribution thing qualifying for that. Uh, but if you're asking me about this song, uh, I am. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit bland. Uh, sounds a bit like kind of like Chris Isaac's sort of surf. Uh, no, with that, you know. Uh, again, get into the David Lynch stuff because uh, he, he uh, did soundtracks for Lynch uh, films. Um, but yeah, when the violin comes in, and again, violin, it's another thing uh, that's been in a couple of songs so far. Um, that, that I like that, and some of the, the drums, like when it starts getting a bit intense, reminds me of Steve Morris, like the Joy Division, New Order kind of thing. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, he's all right, and I think you've taken the piss out of it, like with the um, the title of it for when we do our spin off. That's right. Yeah, I've well, well, seen. Yeah, yeah. What what goes on in my brain? Um, Indeed, indeed. Well, it, it is um, a nice little jaunt back into the pop realm. But what does Tim make of it? First one of the evening, in it, he's on mute. He's not noticed. He's well into his. No, he's, he's gone to sleep. It's late o'clock now, Wolverine. Sorry it for is. you. He's well past my bedtime, uh, so he's popped. A great track, and another instance of them wasting brilliant material on throwaway compilation tracks, filling albums with shite like Pittsville Direct and Book of Lies. Probably the best use of the violin, too. I love the tribalish feeling drums, the Keddy storytelling, the whispered bit towards the end. Just really good shit. Even the naff reverby guitar works alongside the whine of string. Sweet, sweet. Um, Seth, how about this one for you? Yeah, this one... Uh... I really liked. I love the jump between that uh, that sort of accessible pop sound, like you mentioned, and then that uh, typical fall harshness. And uh, the beginning of my notes on this say, "Who let Mark sing over this Enigma track?" Which <laughs> that's the best way to sum up the opening, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I like it when he sings the riff, which he's basically singing along with the tune. It's like it's he's got a set of lyrics, and they're like, "Just do this, Mark." And I just I, that's why what, what you're doing there, Craig, is quite nice. I'll just sing that bit. It's like that's not how melodies work, Mark. But uh, yeah, it's a good. It's a Brendan, great... Brendan, getting on to that, I do find it funny the way he'll try and like shifting lyrics and uh, to time and and sometimes the pronunciation is changed as a result of that. Um, so that, that's entertaining for me, uh, just for like, people saying things in a weird way. I find it yes. quite entertaining thinking about how often Brendan used to sing over the solo of uh, of some of the songs from our earlier days, mate, and how much the, the guitarist playing that solo used to love that little trick. What was it you used to sing over the top of it? Mostly Led Zeppelin lyrics or uh, George Michael. Stuff. Roddy McDowell yeah. in the planet of the apes. Roddy McDowell. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Um, the um, I don't, I don't think I deliberately got that from Smith, where it would just sing over everything, regardless of what was going on. Was it, um, wasn't it the theme tune to Minder that you sang over the top of the solo? Right, people, right time, wrong situation, story of my life. Um, this is a noisy, uh, a noisy tub thumping kind of uh, track, um, with some nice distorted mez on it. But it, it, it's all a little bit on the nose. But the melody works. It's a nice LP track or B side, and funky sigh on the breakbeat. 
I would give it a bit more welly in the mix, though. I think the mix is a bit flat and it probably does go on for a bit too long. But uh, at the end, there's about 30 seconds of just uh, some funky side drums and Smith kind of uh, chirping along, which I think is really, really nice. Um, Aridal Leon says, Aridal got a soft spot for the violin featured in early 90s tracks, which is nice and um, better than what the Wonder Stuff did with the violin. Appreciate the pre appreciate the precog sci-fi theme here. Shows that they had an embarrassment of good tunes in this period which is sometimes considered a low point. Absolutely. This track originally thrown on a compilation, the series volume, but the other volumes are well worth checking out, especially the Trans Europe Express techno one. From the interstellar combination, the colors are brown and cream, and he gets precognition everywhere he goes. It screams psychog from doorways and upper shut-off windows. He had a brain with a weight of four ounces, and his psychog was very advanced and quit. And, and he wasn't taking any crap from you, Dick. Got a dose of psychog. Got a dose of a psychog dream. Apparently, it was initially about... Uh, Smith possibly berating Simon, funky Simon Wollstonecraft. And in the demo version, he just shout, Mez shouts at him, Mez hectors him, um, which is all nice stuff. Pippin, what do you make of this pop pop jam? Well, <clears throat> musically, I, I couldn't shake off jams when I was when I was listening to this. <laughs> the uh <laughs> The uh, the the fiddle bit of it just really reminded me of like Seven and Gold Mother, and it was like just that really swamped in reverb kind of sound, isn't it? There was quite a lot of bands doing it at the time. It's like you said, there was the Levelers and the Wonder Stuff and all that sort of folksy kind of uh, vibe uh, stuff that was just fucking shit. That's another word for it, yeah. Like bunch of fucking. Rich kids trying to be like fucking gypsies. It, it was just like the, the hypocrisy, unbelievable. The wonder stuff just bland, bland, bland. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about, Tarquin. No, no, I, 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 again, I, I don't know what you're on about, Phil. So I, I thought um, musically it is quite interesting. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit of a two-trick pony, isn't it, in what it's what it's doing. But the lyrics are great. I, I really, really like the words. This sort of mundane science fiction thing that's that's going on with it. I, I I really got into that. It was very PKD, which is right up my street. So musically, yeah, it's fine. It's a pretty nice pop tune. It's uh, but it's with the words. I thought it was it was pretty decent. I got into this indeed. But Ezra, what we really want to know, amongst all of this top tier banter, Ezra, what do you think of Aridal's dream? Oh, it's a proper banger. I mean, yeah, you know, like at this stage in the game, it's nice to hear some fresh fall. Um, and yeah, the volume compilations. I had a couple of those, and I think they were pretty ace, as I recall. The thing that I really appreciated about them was the fact that they were a nice mix of underground slash indie rock and decent electronic stuff at the same time. And, you know, like back in that day, those camps were still somewhat segregated. And, you know, at my school, at least you had the ravers and the rockers and never the twain shall meet, which I always thought was total dog shit because I liked a bit of both, you know, being a raving bisexual. Um yeah, 
Aridal, I thought, was really nice. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. Maybe one of the first things is the violin. And it's really interesting the way I think the fall in this period, it used the violin as a kind of a signifier, you know, to like kind of create a sense of the history of the violin and its use in kind of like folk music and traditional music from the UK, um, which is fascinating. And then in this song, what I really, really loved was the fact that like, you know, in the first few lines, um, Marky Smith, he uses the words interstellar and brown and cream. And just by doing that, he immediately transports me into this kind of Kubrick Mabius sci-fi scenario, you know, and I thought, and like, there's nothing else in the song that kind of like situates it in the future or in space or any kind of remotely sci-fi stuff. I mean, apart from the psychog nonsense, but I just thought it was really splendid how just with those few brief things I could easily associate my way into the future or a vision of the future. And again, and, and there's also a really interesting contrast going on because this song is about arid owl, dried up owl, but then we've got all the moisture of love in a flotation tank, a sauna, a steam bath, a massage, and a cauldron. And so, you know, I, I just think it's really interesting and funny. And as was mentioned, when Funky Sai hits the fucking break beats, it all goes fucking great. Uh, very, very nice song. Indeed, indeed. That post-hypnotic suggestion that triggered you into uh, into a realm, It's it was uh, Smith had been setting that up since day one. Yeah, Chris has gone for a piss. All right. Good times, good timing because it is up against Hot After Shave Bop, the B side of uh, Living Too Late, 
uh, in to meet season two. Fair enough. Their um, their production on it for me is the best thing about it. Um, mm. It is a bit uh, unlike the album tracks from from Benson. It's just so I can understand why it ended up as a B side. But um, what does Tim reckon to this one? It feels to me like they were going for the same sort of feel as Arid Al's here too, but didn't ex- execute it as well. Feels like this one could have benefited from this nation's Saving Grace style production over what they ended up on with Ben Sinister, which soars in triumph with the murky ROD and Gross Chapel, but this doesn't quite gel together. Yeah, I know what he's saying, the, the kind of production side of it. Yeah, to me, it sounded more like a, a mid-tier damned signal. Uh, single, not a fall banger. What's um, that? <laughs> that's what I'm here for, Alistair. Mm. Uh, Seth, what did you make to Hot Aftershave Bop? Uh, this one I uh, I really liked. I sort of found myself uh, dancing in place without meaning to uh, first time I heard it. Uh, the opening guitar part reminds me a lot of a song that I haven't been able to name yet. Uh, until Mark starts singing, it also reminds me of uh, Joy Division, which if Mark was here would probably stab me for saying that. Um, and it also had that high-pitched scream of his that I missed after I heard uh, Maserari's Daughter for the first time. <laughs> yeah, the scream is wonderful, and he used it a lot in those early ones. By this era, he'd uh, started to transition into his more uh, subdued smith and then again towards the end he started to explore his voice but yeah so some nice stuff uh it's a simple guitar yeah and it, it is a, a little bit generic it does maybe remind me of a bunch of other songs of that era which i, I don't have a problem with the, the tinny 80s drums come in um uh, just a snare and a snarly mez but is it enough i asked driven by that poppy bass and the snare some nice guitars wailing in the background when he gets going i think craig's doing some really nice stuff but it's way way low in the mix that should be up front and center i think um i've written again as well the effort is there you said Al, they're not slacking but it just doesn't it just doesn't click for me, unfortunately. And I, th- I think Smith's lyrics, that hot aftershave, Bob, <laughs> I'm not really keen on when he just sings like kind of like Bobby Bop Bop songs, but it's like it, where he's maybe doing one of those kind of like Yeah. There's no place for scatting anywhere in here. Canisters from Orange Box, Furniture, Defrost. But Pippin, what do you reckon? I'm surprised you like the production on this, to be honest with you. It's it's not doing anything for me, this. I think the levels are all wrong on it. Um, I agree with everything else that everyone's been saying, really. it's I think it's that curse of Ben Sinister for me. This is like one of those... This is like one of the most acute examples of what with that album. I I can quite happily have it playing, and then the moment it finishes, I have no memory of the song whatsoever. I I couldn't tell you how it goes or any of the lyrics out of it or any riffs or even sing along. It's just it just kind of bops along um, without actually sort of making an impression on you in any way. So um, so yeah, was this a B side? Did you say? Yeah, as far as I know, and I'm being corrected regularly on Twitter by people who know who are far more careful about this than me. As far as I know, is the B side. It, it was the B side of B- living too long. What's it that? Bees, but not the bees. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a B side. 
not the bees, not the not the bees. Um, eighty six beggars banquet. So when Al was banging on about fake indies, pointing the finger at Smith and Co. Oh, but yeah, I was showing uh, Chris the the Dean Cantation LP, which is on beggars, which is uh, you know, Sai Simon Rogers. Yeah, Simon Rogers LP. Like, you know, I, I never put two and two together until like. Uh, about a year ago, but mm. about a year into doing this podcast, this, this bloody yeah. thing that you're making us do, Brendan, you bastard. Anyone up for some cultural appropriation? Yes, please. <laughs> um, what does Ezra think of this uh, sweet tune? Mm, it's very likable. I, I understand that some people really love it, um, though maybe none of us. Um, to me, it's like it's, it's an earworm. But it doesn't really, you know, it, it, it it's a vaporous pop song, and it's sweet while it's there, and when it's gone, it's gone. Um, I, it, it, you know, the title and the chorus is interesting. It put me in mind of like a meat market of the time, some kind of bop shop, like one of those nightclubs you would go to, and the the stench of the aftershave vaporizing off the young men's lustful bodies as they search for mates in the in the gloom and the Joy Division songs or whatever it is they played at those places. Maybe, probably not Joy Division songs. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the Wonder Stuff. Um, As if, it was, if it was the Wonder Stuff, it'd be Petunia Oil. Um, so, yeah, that, that'd, be the, that, that'd be the stench. That would be it. And, of course, Marky e. Smith would go on to revisit the theme of Aftershave in... Uh, possibly other songs, but also uh, ex-classmates' kids, where he references aftershave like twigs. Um, and that's why I love ex-classmates' kids. But this song, not so much. It's nice, it's a toe-tapper, but, yeah, it doesn't really, you know, doesn't possess me. Well, uh, that uh, disappoints me a little bit, but um, you'll be happy to know that using Dan... Danny knows, brilliant, uh, the flickering lexicon, which is a concordance of all words used in false songs. We know that not only is it appearing in Hot Aftershave Bob and um, My Ex Classmates Kids, but he, during the song Married Two Kids, uh, says that the aftershave is like mustard, which is good, which would be a hot aftershave, wouldn't it? I can imagine Flock of Seagulls doing this in a John um, Hughes film while... Um, Emilio Estevez is in a mirror, like dancing and bopping his cheeks. I, I, can, I can see you. You've got your flock of seagulls haircut going on tonight. So, like, well done, Brendan. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what does Chris Barra think of this? That's what we really need to know. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's a demo to me. It's all a bit kind of uh, distant and murky in its kind of uh, sound. And it's a shame because it doesn't kind of showcase. It's kind of potential strengths for me. I mean, it's got a great bass line, some great kind of guitar, um, potentially a bit of drums, but they're just all kind of uh, lost in the mix for me. It's, uh, it's a, bit of a bit of a departure from the typical Ben Sinister kind of uh, era, more kind of a Hex Induction Hour, possibly kind of song, more, more like that kind of, kind of era. But uh, it's a good track that uh, could have been better. Well, there's something that... Something that went on around that time, you know, Lecky was gone. So it was the end of the Lecky era and, and, and Smith, you know, 
by all accounts, had had enough of Leckie's production style, the psychedelic stuff. And that's why Ben Sinister does. There's a bit of a, a, a battle going on for the sound of it. And I think this is the end of that, I'm guessing, as it's a, a B-side and it's with Living Too Late, which was uh, through the album and a single, as far as I know. Um, so I think this is where Smith has wrestled about production. <laughs> this is what he wanted it to sound like. And we're all saying, you know what? This would benefit from some John Leckie style production as Leckie's just been given his marching orders. But um, again, you, you take what you're given with I the think mighty it, I think form. it was expensive. And they, 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 were like, they were looking at cutting costs. It could have been downsizing. We're downsizing the fall. Pretty much, yeah. um, I think that's everyone. Let's have a vote. Um, we got Arid Al up against Hot Aftershave Bop. And which way is Ezra going? I'll go with Arid Al, I think. Okie okay, dokie. Okay. And I'm also going with Arid Al. How about Chris Barra? Arid Al. Okie do. And how about Arid Al? What does he think? He doesn't like Arid Al. Arid Al should fuck off. Uh, so he's going for uh, a bit of aftershave in his uh, shoes. Sweet. Uh, what about you, Seth? Uh, yeah, for this one, I think I'm actually going to have to go with Hot Aftershave Bob. Interesting, interesting. And how about Phil Rigby? Aridal. Aridal. And also Michael E has gone for Aridal. So Aridal easily goes through and justice is served, finally. And let's go into the final showdown of the evening, which is the very divisive Nate will not return off ersatz gb 2013 a decade ago Remembering who you, you're speaking to. Uh, no one will ever know. I'll this excited it out because I have the scissors. Ursa's GB is, is often maligned as a low point in the Falls catalogue. But uh, for me, this one is absolutely delightful. Greenway FX opening up, I think, mirrored with them some bloopy synths from Eleni. Mez stumbles in far too long in the mix and all over the place, off in, in every element, melody, timing, um, volume. It's it's brilliant. The solution that the whoever produced it made was to mix everything else flat as fuck. So the Smith's, Smith's lyrics, they're still standing out, even though there's no dynamics to them whatsoever. But then... It starts going, takes its time, but then nasty noise. Peter is doing some beautiful rockabilly riffage. Uh, I want that up in that mix more because he's doing some good. There's a snarling track missing there. And the first time through, I think uh, I didn't get it. The first 10 times through, maybe I didn't get it. But eventually 
I got what they were going for. Uh, symbols and sibilances chiming in, and we'll get to them lyrics. But the format, it's not so much the content of the lyrics, and everyone you know bangs on about oh, it's about Gossip Girl, and this is Smith just standing in front of the telly rattling off. But tell me another song that uses that effect of every line rhymes with the same sound and it just hammers again and again and again and by the time he's done it 10 times you know the joke and it's a Stuart Lee kind of uh, trope that he robbed that didn't he and it's like it's the same joke over and over again but I think the effect of rhyming the same sound is genius and it's what makes the song because he is slightly varying what he does, always the same, always different. And the song is getting increasingly abrasive around him. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Phil Rigby. I've been trying to work out all week what this song reminds me of. And you've just broke it for me there. And it's the Nile song by Pink Floyd off Relics. Oh, okay. They right, rhyme right. everything with the word Nile at the end of each line. There's another irony because at this point he was banging on about how the band loves Pink Floyd and how he hated them and he had to drill that out of them. And the irony then that he begins to use Pink Floyd tropes. Uh, uh, we'll give him the benefit. He will have listened to it and said, that shit, I'm going to do that on the next song, but I'm going to sing it all about this like shitty like <laughs> TV show. Um, yeah. I really, really like it a lot. I will read some lyrics out later, but for now, I want to know what Tim thinks. So, Timothy has screamed about this one. Can't bear this one. Forced bad rhymes on one sound over and over make me feel nauseous. And the vocal is the only thing you can concentrate on because everything else is terribly recorded and completely uninteresting, irredeemable. I don't think me and him will ever see eye to eye on anything at all. And surely that's all for the better. But what does Seth think about this uh, Gossip Girl tribute? Well, I uh, I couldn't shake this feeling the entire time I listened to it that the way the song is set up is almost a parody of how uh, the type of rock music you would hear on the radio around the time that uh, Erzatz was being written or recorded. It sounds like it sounds like his sarcastic punch in the gut to all of that, and. Uh, yeah, I, his vocals for once actually kind of bug me on this one uh, because it, I can handle that slurring delivery that he has. But for this one, I'm, I was wondering how drunk was he before he actually stepped up to the mic in this one? Uh, and the Gossip Girl references just caught me off guard. But at the same time, that's uh, this antagonistic personality of Marky Smith that I've come to love. Yeah, there's a, this era, particularly a lot of television, and he was straight open. Like, I'm, I don't have a normal job. I sit at home watching daytime television most of the time, and so he'd just been watching like Sky Channel 900 and and some some rerun of of on the CW would have come on, and he would have been like, yes, please. Or he might have loved it because he was well known for like um for like in Dallas and Dynasty in the 80s when him and Bricks would sit down and, and uh get crow's feet. Yeah, Brendan, he was flicking himself off to Trisha to quote the League of Gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> well, who hasn't from time to time? Um, there was a man called Nate. He was a good man. 
his girlfriend and the Russian maid. He was called Nate. He decided to sublimate. He called his father and said, father, it's Nate of both girlfriend and mate. I perchance decide to replicate for I am Nate. The Russian maid revealed that she was not a citizen of New York State, but had slipped on a Ukrainian crate. Due to overtime, we missed the Gossip Girl on New York Channel number 38, etc., etc. Brilliant. Um, Ezra, come on. Yeah, well, you know, unlike you, Brendan, I really don't like the music for this very much at all. And often with a lot of the Erzatz GB stuff, like, you know, my kind of thought experiment is to listen to it and imagine that Marky e. Smith isn't singing over the top and ask myself if I still like it. And Although, you know, that band, they did do some great stuff with him. This isn't one of them for me. Um, and I think Marky e. Smith is the only thing holding down the fort on this track. And I think it's also hilarious. Um, I get the, you know, I get the image of somebody saying something like, oh, that Marky e. Smith, he's washed up. What kind of a poet does he think he is? And Marky e. Smith is just like, hold my whiskey. I'm going to show you just how well I can poeticize. And <laughs> yeah, it, it's hilarious. Um, and as he goes on to... Uh, Sorry, I'm just making some some baby crack smashing stuff, but it's purely, purely Marky e. Smith that makes this great for me. But that's the Granny on Bongos thing, isn't it? And that's the fact that, you know, it, it, it he is on it and that's what matters. It's like, yeah, well, this this cake wouldn't taste as good if it didn't have any cake ingredients in it. Shit cake. Shit cake, hot cake, to cover the song by the fall called Hot Cake, the plow and the auger of unnatural offal it disgusts. There was a man called Nate. Um, Philip, what do you reckon? What do I reckon? It reminded me of systematic abuse, this. It reminded me of another kind of uh, long-form experiment with, uh, with the kind of rocky genres. Um, I'm not a massive fan of edge guitar. I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of pub rock uh, of music. Um, and it is his mantra that he gets going is is both funny but also quite hypnotic. The more that you listen to it, and I found myself despising every individual element of what's going on in this tune, but the combination of it all together just really got into my head. So I've uh, so yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going on with this record. Is the conclusion that I've come to, but I quite like it. I think so. And if you think so, so the Emirator track is also similar era, but it was on the Remainder EP. And if you contrast the lyrics, that the the Emirator track will come to is literally just a beautiful romantic era poem. It's like this is this is something that you could pull straight out of. Keats and this one on the other hand <laughs> is me taking a stylistic uh kind of experiment to his extreme oh, and I love this the... man from Venus <laughs> exactly but I love the fact that he first of all he just goes for it and second of all the content matches it perfectly because it's a stupid thing to do 
<laughs> so why wouldn't your lyrics also be absolutely stupid? And the, the band's in on the joke. There's a laughing at the end. Everyone, this is a fucking ridiculous thing to do. And it's the best thing on earth, that's GB. Um, what does Chris Barra think of it? Yeah, well... <clears throat> We were kind of talking about Ersatz uh, GB a few weeks ago, I think, I mean, it, it, as it was kind of like a negative that it didn't kind of form into kind of songs. It's more kind of these kind of um, extended jams. I'm kind of seeing that as a positive now. I think it's kind of kind of uh, an interesting kind of departure, really. Um, it kind of reminds the kind of structure. They don't sound like can, but that kind of structure of these just kind of long kind of pieces that you kind of just get lost in. Um, I think there's a kind of a slim similarity there for me. Um, so I just think it works. I think it's just um, an interesting kind of departure for the fall to kind of go off in this kind of, this kind of loose, loose kind of format, these kind of um, meandering kind of long pieces. I think, I think they're interested in their own way. I, I, I think so. Um, one of the quotes I cribbed off from um, a, a- a character called Gaius on um, on the annotated fall says, although the song is very humorous, the reason it makes me laugh is because of the truth presented in it. The song, as I experience it within the theme of the album, is about the darkness in our times where men have become rednecks. There is also expressed at the beginning that we come out of the fog where reality is invisible or hard to see by men in our times. That's what he says. Um, but Alistair... What do you reckon to Nate will not return? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the vocal delivery kind of like says it really. Um, but he, he, he's a bit kind of like flogging a dead horse. Um, I'm going to bet the, the one trick pony before now, like with uh, the riffs and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, this, this is like flogging a dead pony. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, and it is the vocals that saves it. Uh, but it's like getting into the, the, uh, the lyrics. Um, yeah, it, it reminded me a bit of the uh, uh, the rhyming thing. Uh, the, the song "Life, Oh Life, Oh Life, Oh, oh Life," where <laughs> you just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Saw, saw a ghost, and uh, I was eating toast, and I was near a lamppost or something like that. And it, it's just like, it, it's like, fuck, like, no. Can I, uh, I? Have you have you ever checked out the lyrics to "Walk the Dinosaur" though? If you ever want to read that's great, mind yeah. blowing lyrics, well, that's, that's that's some proper intellectual stuff for that film. You spin your well, vision tonight. I've seen I've seen some of it, and, it, and it's, 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 there's a similarity there with, with the just sort of like shit lyrics. Uh, you just you make up a little rhyme. And, uh, they're not shit. They're foreign. They're singing in a different language. No, no, like old Masuli man. Uh, I, I love. Ananda Shankar, I believe he mainly does instrumentals. Um, there's lots of like stuff that is foreign, that's lovely. Um, but yeah, that, that that's just like cack. Alistair transcended during that uh, diatribe, didn't he? Alistair reached Satori, he reached a point where all of the music in the universe became one for him. And I I respect that. And um, Seth jumped in. Tell us about Crispin Glover's album. It is a, a a cough syrup fueled nightmare that has a very random pieces thrown in, mostly of him reading out of his own books. Uh, and he covers a Charles Manson song somewhere along the lines, but there's a song uh, about him encountering a clown, 
And I bring up the rhyme scheme in that because he does the same, like, even if he stretches it just a little bit and kind of pushes his luck, almost every line in the verses ends with some similar sound to clown. He's out there, isn't he? Great, great Manson family band reference there. Like, uh, exactly. That wasn't a bad LP, despite the... Um, uh, the, the, the difficult the, the recording moral, circumstances. The moral issues around murdering. You know what? There's actually a Polanski link in um, in that Papal Visit song. Smith tells a story about how uh, Roman Polanski was sent to the Pope's house and the Pope's family turned him away. It's... He got all of the facts wrong, um, but it's an interesting kind of uh, wormhole that we did not go down, rabbit hole wormhole. <laughs> um, I don't want to see a ghost. It's the sight that I fear most. I would much rather have a piece of toast. Than watch <laughs> what does Phil think of this song? Life or life. Oh, Nate will not return. Nate will not return. Oh, life. Uh, I've been talking well, about I've, it for so long that I, I don't know if you've told me about your I've, thoughts. I've, I've, I think I've, I've already told. Brilliant. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, <laughs> last song of the evening. Oh, it's, it's turned into a bit of Should one of them, the last isn't it? Song? Friend, let's, let's do the last song, huh? Emirate exclamation mark off remainder EP 2013. And so... All I play... <laughs> As is customary, uh, Seth, I'm coming to you, the last song of the evening, Amorator, or Amorator, or however you want to pronounce that made-up word. What do you think of it? Uh, this one I thought was uh, was really fun. Similar to Hot Aftershave Bob, I was sort of grooving in place without even realizing it, because uh, I love old-school rockabilly uh, instrumentals. Uh, the only thing I had put down for this one is... Uh, the fall do the cramps better than the cramps did after 1990. Controversial, but I'll give you it. <laughs> Alistair, what do you make to that? Uh... Hey, I'm a big cramps fan, like, but it really reminded me of uh, legendary Stardust Cowboy. And uh, I, I was disappointed that there was no bugle on there. You know, uh, it would accessorising the tune, you know. Um, but yeah, vocal delivery, brilliant. Again, reminds me a bit of the ledge. Um, and yeah, it, 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 this one could have been a bit of a classic given a bit of uh, radio play and uh, possible head injuries to the people that listen to it. Yeah, it, uh, the interesting thing is that it's all I thought it was a sample of a guitar that was chopped up, but then it turns into a pretty standard riff. So if 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 it isn't, then Greenway's doing some really interesting abstract guitar playing there, but even if it is, it's it's really nice. Um, that rockabilly whoosh 
the propulsive drums, the bass, which is always makes way too low, which is strange. Um, I'm not sure if Smith is bringing enough to this one. I didn't think Smith, um, after listening to Nate a bunch of times, I thought that that kind of vocal style, I want a bit more of that. Um, it breaks into a noyish kind of midsection, which I really like, a proper head bopper, uh, very sweet. Uh, and then it kind of does this weird thing where it breaks down rather than increasing in intensity, it kind of like meanders on the almost like a disco-y, noyish kind of groove for ages, which is really nice. And um, yeah, in terms of lyrics, this is, like I said, as far away as you can get from the Nate nonsense. So the frost covers up what summer men made. The frost covers up what the sloth bird brought. The summer covers up what the sloth bird sickening you with its false notes. And the love that you secretly love at the intersection, it colludes into the vacation that became your profession and dropped you in a job. Ooh la la. <laughs> so it can be a... Very nice indeed, isn't it? What does Ezra think? Well, it's one of those, Brendan, where my heart screams for one thing and my head screams for the other thing. And in this case, my head is saying, surely Amorator is the one. Because, yes, it's musically satisfying. It builds up a nice head of steam. It kind of keeps flatulizing all over the place, which is what Nate does for me. But this, like, is... Solid, decent, good music. Very, very nice lyrics. Uh, like um, the part you uh, you referenced just there. Never forget, your brain is a bubble of water and a blank sheet for a top-up. <laughs> Give me some sign, oh my baby. Our intersection colludes into a vacation became when your profession dropped you in a job. Exhilarant, it hits you and the terror. So, yeah, fucking great words. But like you said, I'm not sure if Mez really, you know, hammers them home hard enough. Um, like with, with Nate, it's very, very emphatic. And you really get the sense that he believes in the power of his own poetry on, on Nate. But here it's a bit muffled. And so it, it's, it's a dilly of a pickle is what it is. It could be like a, like the, the production thing, like similar to um, songs we've been talking about earlier, where it's, it's like uh, just destroying the production uh, that, that kind of like interferes with your uh, listening pleasure. Um, however, if you, if you kind of like listen to it a little bit more, you can kind of like, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's like you give it. Always, always, always. And the terror. But what about um Chris Barra? Yeah, I'm I love this one. I think it's awesome. I just love that um fantastic rockabilly uh, kind of rhythm section. It's got an excellent guitar, but it kind of climaxes at um, just over a minute. I just wish it, it kind of gets into a fantastic riff and then it just kind of kind of drops away. I just wish they'd kind of gone with that a bit more. Um, uh, and like Ezra said, you kind of line about the uh, never forget your brain is a bubble of water. This love he kind of delivers that. And it all kind of goes down a few notches, doesn't it? And it's uh, um, like, like you quoted it, Brendan, beautiful poetry for me. That I don't know what it means whatsoever, but it's beautiful. And it's just really lovely words. And then after it kind of drops down those notches, I just wish it would kind of kick back in again. 
and just be like a real kind of epic. I think it's got the got the potential for that. You know, I just wish it didn't end end kind of where it does. You know, that's my only um, downside to it. But uh, I love what's I love what um, we have available. No, it's a it's a counterintuitive thing, and there's not, I remember reading something about uh, a Beatles song. I can't remember what it does, what which one it is, but that you don't slow tracks down and you don't make them less intense. But that trick used here, I think, work, works really well. And um, I, I can see how it would be nice to bring it all back in. But I also like yeah. the fact that they just kind of bumble along for several yeah. more minutes. Oh, doesn't it then? Yeah. yeah. That's the ledge. That's the ledge they get. Nice. And uh, well, one thing I came across in the annotated fall when I was reading this one was a really nice discussion, I guess, from Chris who runs it. My, Danny might have been involved in it. said... Despite the fact that you attempt to understand four lyrics, um, this is our international pastime practiced in such places, the Fall Online Forum. Um, in fact, we even have a website called the Annotated Fall dedicated to deciphering four lyrics. The fact is, in fact, it is a fact that no one has ever understood a single fall lyric. Fortunately, however, the site does exist for the purpose of explaining fall songs. I do try to track down references and plow a straight furrow through the surface of the songs. But the other thing I do, interpreting the lyrics should not be mistaken for explaining them. Um Brendan, you'll have to explain the annotated fault to us all. It'll, it'll remain a mystery. But what does Pip think? So it's it's got loads of nice stuff going on with it. I, I'm not a huge fan of Rockabilly, but this has got some nice noise. It's it's kind of out John Spencer Blues explosioning John Spencer Blues explosion. Uh, uh, it's, it's got it's got a lot of good stuff, but it's missing something for me. I don't know what it is, though. So I can't help it out. I'm just going to let it flounder. Oh, well. <laughs> what is... Tim think he's got a soft spot for this era, I think. Some sort of shuffle thing with no character, but at least there's some fun noises dotted in the mix. Mezzi's pretty unintelligible, but at least he's not going on about Jim, whose friend was Tim, who went to the gym with a book he could skim, etc., etc. Vomit. Just because you can do it doesn't mean it's good, Timmy. But I'm not going to get into that. Me and him will have this discussion off camera. That, I think that wraps it up, really. So let's take a vote. Michael E, kicking off proceedings, is going for Nate, will not return. How about Phil Rigby? I'm going for Nate. Ooh. And how about Ezra? I'm Hard going to head. this time and going with Nate because it's Ooh. great, mate. Ooh. Well, what a state. Let's see how... <laughs> Let's see how I I'll can't rate. wait. <laughs> do, which one of these do you, do you rate? Al. Oh, right. Alan, no, just... Al, Al, Alan Chris. <laughs> okay, I, I, I like the ghost eating sauce, like, but uh, yeah, I'm, uh, it, I'm owned by the Amorator. So, you know, okay. Yeah, nice. And uh, Chris Barry? Amorator. Interesting. Um, I'm going for Nate. So, I think that kind of. Uh, more or less seals it, but let's see. If uh, Seth, which way are you going? Uh, Nate, the song I hate will not get past the gate. I'm going for Amorator. Okay. <laughs> um, who am I missing? I'm missing Tim, aren't I? The invisible one, and he's going to tie is it. Amorator. <laughs> he's tied it. We're going to the fingers, so oh. you need to give me a number out of three. You can type it, or you can hold up your fingers, but we're going first for Nate. Only the people in the room 
get to vote, except for Tim, who can also vote. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nate, out of three, how many points we're giving Nate? So we got three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Timothy has given it zipperoo. All right, and Seth, how many points are you giving that one out of three? Uh, I hate to say it, one. Okay, that gives it 12 points, 12 Earth points. Um, it, Michael E would be the tiebreaker should it uh, should it go to uh, equal points. Let's have a look. Uh, and uh, Amorator, hold up your numbers out of three. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thank you. And uh, so Amorator has made it even without Tim's contribution. What does Tim think? He has given it 1.4. Okay, so Amorator exclamation mark has made it through along with Hip Priest and Arid Al's dream. Uh, we probably didn't even need the discussion. We could have just taken a vote right at the start. Because uh, Thanks for joining us, everyone. Seth, thanks very much for your contributions. We appreciated you. Uh, having you along uh, thank you for having me and uh, you're very welcome back uh, in very the uh, yeah. following so, rounds right everyone it's it's mother's day yeah. in japan so we got to go do some stuff so uh, a very very first mother's day over there in the tokyo town happy mother's day we love you all uh, yeah, it's, uh, mother's day